This is the Oanda Podcast. Welcome to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, speaking to Oanda senior market analysts from around the world with all the latest business and market news. And today I'm delighted to say it's hello to Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon or almost good evening from London. How are you doing? Wonderful, Johnny. Thank you for having me once again. Now, we've got some really interesting topics to discuss, but let's start with those surprising U.S. inflation numbers earlier in the week. Consumer prices jumping 4.2%. That was up from 2.6% in March, and that is the biggest increase since September 2008. And that, of course, stoked fears that rising consumer prices could push up interest rates. And some analysts said that the figures could be rising because of um other temporary factors like supply bottlenecks. But this inflation number certainly spooked markets right across the world, really, didn't it? Very much so. And and I think, you know, if you had to sum it up in one sentence, uh, inflation is back. And uh, I, I think uh, a lot of people, though, they're, they're not really worried, at least not yet. They're attributing these uh, price increases to the semiconductor shortage. Uh, that you know we've been we've been talking about for months, and and also to the super commodity cycle, uh, and you know I, you know right after the inflation readings we had we heard uh, the you know the PPI the producer prices uh, index and that was also hotter than expected. So it, it seems that okay we're gonna see probably uh, producers pass that on to the consumer next month. So there's there's just this steady. Uh, stream of uh, of pricing pressures that it seems that uh, you know the, this economy is bracing for, and uh, I think what you're you're probably going to have is a, a market that is uh, um, going to continue to look at the Fed and say, "Are you sure this is going to be transitory?" Because the Fed has not you know budged in any way in thinking that these pricing pressures will not be transitory. And and guess what? We're going to have to wait you know many reports until. Uh, an assessment can really be made, and and I think the 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 thing that everyone is wondering is you know okay well when we get towards the end of the summer, are these pricing pressures still going to be, um, um, you know, coming in much hotter than you know these consensus estimates, and and if they are, you know then that will probably. Uh, change the Fed's bias, but for right now, you know, it's the, this is the first round of of uh, pricing reports that uh, you know what they're they're coming in hot, and and uh, a lot of people were expecting that. So I think you're you're having the, you know, the initial reaction. You know, we we did see Treasury yields, you know, surge off of that, uh, but it was interesting that uh, you know after the PPI report. Um, they did not. They actually uh, started to come down. And I think a lot of that is being attributed to that belief, you know, whether the Fed is right or wrong, um, the Fed is committed to this ultra accommodative stance. And, and that's why I think we have Treasury yields capped. So this is going to be very uh, interesting, I think, um, over these next few months to see how hot these numbers get. But for right now, uh, it, it does look like uh, this little... Uh, um, um, inflation report, uh, you know, did trigger a little bit of a panic in the market. Uh, it, at one point, um, it, you know, we saw the S&P 500 down 5% from its uh, record highs, and the NASDAQ was down over, I think, around 8%. And uh, uh, I think it was uh, very interesting to point out, though, that once it hit that 5% level on the S&P 500, 
the algos bought that up. I think that you have to, you know, remind yourself that, you know, given where the U.S. economy is, uh, we, you know, where we at this point in the cycle, you know, you, you would expect investors to be concerned that we're, we're not going to have enough growth and that the Fed might start to slow down uh, its uh, accommodative stance. That's not what we're having right now. We, we have, you know, the prospects of a lot more growth and the, the, the market is, uh, you know, afraid that the Fed might not, you know, slow down this accommodation. So it's quite, quite, a, 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 you know, an inverse situation here. And, and I think that's why you're going to see a lot of this institutional money is, is going to want to buy any dip we get. And uh, I think the outlook is still pretty, uh, pretty optimistic for stocks. I think it's going to be a very choppy uh, couple of months because we're going to be overreacting to these uh, economic releases, um, specifically uh, these pricing reports and also the labor market uh, figures that we'll, we'll get. And uh, in the end, though, I think uh, I think there's still too much money available in the in the in the uh, system and uh, they're you know that's going to drive economic activity and, and we don't have tightening conditions so uh, us us stocks still looking you know pretty attractive here but i think you're probably going to see a lot more calls for caution over these next couple of months and uh, but in the end uh, <clears throat> taper tantrum worries uh, they'll eventually surface but I, I think right now people just don't want to abandon the us stock market just yet and you used the word there ed overreaction and we saw that perhaps last week same time last week when we were talking about those job figures the non-farm payroll which were you know way below expectations and we've seen this again this week with the inflation so it could be that you know both are examples of outliers where you know markets to a certain extent take advantage of the situation take advantage of that dip the algos as you called it and uh you know, somebody's going to make a lot of money out of that, where in fact, medium to long term, they don't really give us that much clue as to what really is going to happen. Exactly. And, and, and I think I think right now you're 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 in a difficult market right now to, to, to navigate because I think you have a, a, a growing group of investors that believe, you know, the Fed is making a policy mistake right now. Uh, there's an easy argument that can be made that you know the Fed should be tapering their asset purchases. They should be following the lead from the Bank of Can Canada, Bank of England. Uh, it, it's 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 like right now if we were you know giving grades, you know it, it seems you know Bank of Canada is getting an A, and so is the Bank of England. And and right now you know the the, the U.S. you know despite a, a tremendous growth outlook and uh, you know reopening momentum. Uh, you you're you're may possibly uh, really uh, slow to the curve here as far as um, uh, tapering some of these purchases. I mean, right now, 120 billion a month. You know, I think the question was asked to Fed Chair Powell at the last FOMC press conference was, you know, why can't we just do it at 100 billion? You know, what would be the difference into the economy? And I, you know, <laughs> you know, the Fed obviously dodged that question, but uh, I think that uh, you're you're going to see that. Uh, I think Wall Street is is really going to embrace uh, the Bank of Canada and Bank of England for their sound what appears right now in this, at this point as a you know sound policy decision to to start removing some of that accommodation. You want to save it for when you really need it, and uh, I think uh, if you're one of the the biggest concerns I think that people are going to eventually focus on is that 
we're talking about base effects right now, but remember in 2022, you know, when we're talking about, okay, wow, look at this. We, so we had this big price surge early in, in 2021. Well, in 2022, that's really going to depress some of those pricing levels. And uh, if, if let's say the economy has, you know, hit a, hit a road bump, you know, we could be in gridlock on Congress because we're approaching those midterms and, and there, there could be some concern that, uh, uh, you know, the, you know, there was just, uh, the uh, overheating of the economy and, and, and uh, the, the taper tantrum really is starting to have its impact. You know, the Fed is going to have less ammunition than, than where they should have been. So I think the debate is going to continue. And, and right now, I think uh, the, 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 the trade seems to be, you know, uh, U.S. stocks still look pretty attractive, but I think a lot of people are starting to, you know, bet against that dollar. And uh, you're probably going to see Bank of the, the Canadian dollar and uh, some of these European currencies really start to shine. In fact, while we've been talking, Ed, we've had the latest from the ECB, the European Central Bank. Their policymakers have said that growth and inflation in the eurozone are more likely to overshoot expectation. That's setting up that debate over whether the um, brightening outlook means it should slow the pace of its bond buying. So this is uh, getting quite contagious, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And and, and I think, you know, we're, you know, the, the, the money markets right now, they, 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 they see the ECB uh, <laughs> raising rates in 2025. So um, I think, wow, I think uh, your, you know, inflation, it, it's going to be higher. Um, that's, that's a given. Um, and um, I think that the, you know, aggressive fiscal policy, um, it's going to, you know, help, you know, keep driving this uh, high pressure economy. But uh, in, in the end, uh, the ECB has a, a much harder job because of just, uh, there's just so many countries with different situations. And uh, I think that's why you're, 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 you know, you have a, a much more difficult time in, in um, you know, tightening policy there. <laughs> when you say you, of course, uh, it's no longer me. Oh. We're, we're no longer involved with those people, remember? <laughs> <laughs> just joking. Um, the other big story of the week, which I know you love to talk about, is around cryptocurrency. And we had two. Earlier on, we had... Bitcoin plunging, I think it was as much as 17% after just one tweet from Elon Musk, who said that Tesla had stopped accepting Bitcoin to purchase its vehicles because of climate concerns. And then we saw Bitcoin fall from around about $55,000 to just under $46,000. That was its lowest since March the 1st in just under two hours. And that's just because of the tweet. And that's amazing how powerful Mr. Musk has become. And that, of course, followed something similar at the weekend when he uh, put the mockers on Dogecoin because of a few jokes on Saturday Night Live, which we mentioned, didn't we, last weekend. So just shows you how powerful one person can be these days. Just a few choice comments, a few characters here and there, and then plunging prices. I, I, I feel that when President Trump was active uh, at the time when he was President Trump and very busy on Twitter, he would move markets. And, and I, I thought we would not see anyone be close to that. Well, Elon Musk has, has, has definitely <laughs> provided us with um, some uh, uh, significant uh, swings um, uh, across the cryptocurrency space. And, and I, I think that you know the Saturday Night Live appearance uh, really was uh, 
kind of uh, eye-opening because it, I think there was one thing some crypto investors were hoping for, and they were hoping that Elon Musk was going to inspire um, a new wave of, of people interested in, into dabbling with Dogecoin or Bitcoin. And uh, the, 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 the weekend tonight skit where, you know, at the very end, they kind of acknowledge that, oh, it's a hustle. Um, that really kind of uh, cemented the view that, okay, this is not going to <laughs> um, have any uh, um, uh, success in, in really, uh, you know, attracting new investors. And, and then uh, I think what we also, you know, saw was that, you know, this week, um, there's been a big focus on on you know the impact on on Bitcoin mining and uh, you know two two weeks ago we had Bill Maher uh, on on his uh, weekend show where he called out Elon Musk uh, and uh, just you know complaining about uh, how irresponsible it is for Tesla to be backing Bitcoin because of this of its uh, environmental impact on on uh, with all the the mining and coal use and and uh, you know the lack of uh, you know uh, focus with uh, renewables, uh, and 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 then a week ago we had the New York State Senate uh, announce that they were uh, considering uh, some legislation to uh, look into greenhouse gas emissions caused by Bitcoin mining, and they were you know contemplating proposing a three year. Uh, halting of Bitcoin mining. So, so it, it, there was this, and, and, you know, everyone knew about, you know, the carbon footprint problem that Bitcoin has. Uh, so this is nothing that was, a, it was not a new rev revelation, but I think what we, we saw then was Elon Musk, you know, when he announced that Tesla was going to stop accepting Bitcoin as a payment because of his um, clean energy concerns, uh, it was really, I think, a decision for him to get ahead of the news cycle. I think uh, it was pretty timely. Um, I think that uh, the, the the announcement that they're going to focus on new uh, or, or much more uh, um, energy-friendly uh, uh, cryptocurrencies uh, is going to, you know, really, I think, force the entire cryptoverse to, to really um, abandon, you know, the use of coal for energy. And uh, I think the, the, the demand for renewables right now, I think it's less than a third are, are really being used uh, for uh, um, providing the electricity that is needed uh, for these cryptocurrencies. So, so there's, there's this, uh, I think, big, big pivot here where um, Bitcoin is, is, uh, is, is not going to go away. I don't think, uh, you know, you, you can say that, the, well, the ESG movement is going to lead to many uh, traders to just completely abandoning this trade. No, but I think you're going to see the pressure is going to be there to, to address this environmental impact. And uh, I think you're going to see some of these other coins, um, and one that has really gained some momentum is uh, Chia because they kind of uh operate a little bit differently you know bitcoin they they use mining and and uh, they have to have rigs and uh, use uh, computer processors that use a lot of energy and uh with with chia you know they they um 
they don't use you know high volumes of electricity. They're they're really uh, a lot of uh, what's done with them is is uh, more of an impact on on the hardware side of things. And uh, while you know the excessive uh, overworking of these hard drives is is uh, making them have a shorter lifespan, and that's a you know negative impact on the environment. You're going to see that uh, you know the, the the entire cryptoverse is looking to find uh, uh, ways to address this, and and uh, it's probably going to be months until this is really, um, I think, um, something is you know identified, and and I think what's really fascinating is that you know you then you know even just yesterday we have Elon Musk tweeting that uh, you know he's working with uh, Dogecoin developers, so I think we're we're in a position where no one knows where this this uh, this uh, you know environmental uh, movement is going in, in 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 these cryptocurrencies, but I think you're going to see uh, that uh, the 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 trade right now seems that you're going to see some of these altcoins that consume less energy are going to probably appreciate. Bitcoin is going to be in a tough environment here, I think, until they really start to can, until they can show that you know they're they're, they've made some progress on the carbon footprint, uh, you're going to see it's going to be difficult for any corporation to embrace, um, you know, uh, putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Uh, and uh, since Tesla, you know, flip-flopped on, on accepting it as a form of payment, it, it seems very unlikely you're going to see anyone really want to, to embrace that decision so or or to be willing to take on bitcoin as payment so um it, it's going to be i think a tough um tough period here for some of these uh, the larger cryptocurrencies and uh i think uh you know the volatility is is completely um not going to ease up anytime soon we we've had uh even you know the world's largest uh crypto exchange binance just they're getting uh, investigated and you know they've not been accused of anything but um, you know, it, it, it just seems that we're, there's no shortfall of, uh, of cryptocurrency headlines. And uh, right now, this space is extremely volatile, and it's probably going to remain that way for a while. Very interesting stuff. Um, one other story I wanted to ask you about, Ed, the Colonial Pipeline, which has reportedly paid a cyber criminal gang nearly $5 million in ransom following a cyber attack. Of course, it suffered a a ransomware attack over the weekend and took its service down for five days. And that did cause supplies to tighten across the US. So there was um, you know, a real effect uh, through that cyber attack. Where are we now with that? Well, it looks like that, um, I mean, they, they, they paid the hackers. And uh, I, I think that um, there's a belief that it's going to take about two weeks to get everything in order. Uh, but uh, it, it seems that as far as an impact on oil prices, um, um, you know, there, there was that initial reaction. Gasoline prices, obviously, uh, I think it was about a quarter uh, higher um, off of this story. But uh, it, it seems that uh, this has um, is, 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 is likely to uh, not have a lasting impact. But, uh, you know, the, the, the concerns of hacking are not going to go away anytime soon but uh, but i think you're going to probably uh, uh see that uh you know this um really shows uh, how vulnerable um um you know the infrastructure is in 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 america and uh i think that um you're you're going to probably see that uh, the the 
the Biden administration is going to try to take advantage of, of improving uh, lots of key parts and vulnerabilities um, in, in this country. And I, I think that uh, you're, you're, you're going to see this, uh, this story is, uh, it seems that um, everything is heading in the right direction. Yesterday they restarted. Um, but uh, I, I think that, um, you know, that there's, there's going to be um, closer scrutiny as far as how to um, uh, thwart off some of these uh, future attacks. Okay, let's look ahead to next week now and what we should look out for. What stands out for you? What are the highlights? Well, for, for me, and uh, I, I think next week, uh, there is a lot of economic data. There's a lot of uh, central bank speakers. Uh, for the, the main event, I think there's going to be, you could wrap it around two key things. Uh, I think uh, the FOMC minutes um, are going to be, closely watched uh, you know these are dated uh the 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 minutes are before the disappointing jobs number and also these two uh, hot cpi and ppi readings um, but i think you're going to see uh, um, people are going to closely watch to see if there's a uh, any any clarification on how the fed on what the fed feels is transitory for inflation um, and uh, as far as how optimistic they were on the, the economic outlook to get a better baseline on where, you know, the Fed currently stand or where the Fed stood at the last policy decision. Uh, the, the other key uh, focal point for me is going to be a, a, a wrath of Chinese activity data. I think you're going to see uh, uh, there, there's a, a strong likelihood you're going to see that the recovery extended into the second quarter. Um, Invest, uh, we're going to have uh, production, investment, and retail sales data. And, and, and uh, I, I think, you know, China is, is strong. I think um, right now, uh, you know, they, they've been impacted by a lot of, uh, you know, these surging commodity prices. I think it, it even, uh, you know, the iron ore uh, price move was something that really got out of hand that uh, even uh, Premier Li had to uh, step in. And, uh, you know, uh, after Premier Li... Uh, <laughs> Uh, voiced his concern, and uh, you know we we we've seen um, iron ore come well off those record highs. So I think a, a big focal point uh, is going to be on on that Chinese data, and uh, as as far as um, I think uh, the rest of the world, uh, key readings we're going to have a, a big surge in uh, UK CPI. That's that's going to be on everyone's mind. Also, Canada is going to uh, have their inflation figures as well. Uh, and then um, uh, I think, uh, you know, the, in the U.S., we also have uh, um, the uh, first uh, regional survey, the Empire Manufacturing Report. And uh, that one is, is going to show that uh, uh, the, you know, the recovery is, uh, it's cooling, but it's still strong. Um, and uh, I think, uh, you know, lastly, um, the uh, flash PMI readings, those are always important. Uh, that's really going to uh, give us a, a, a good handle, I think, on uh, where we stand as, as far as uh, uh, manufacturing in, in the U.S. Okay, very interesting stuff today. Thank you very much, Ed. It's been fascinating, and we look forward to speaking to you same time next week. Thanks, Johnny. Talk to you then. The Oanda Podcast.